if you'll make your way back to your seats, we're celebrating communion today, and so we um, had the sermon a little sooner in the liturgy and, uh, and get ready for the table. So um, if, uh, if you have a Bible, great, if you can open up your phone, or the text is on, on the, the, it's in the bulletin. We're going to be in John 5, verses 10 through 18, and we're picking up the story where we left off last Sunday. This is, um, of course, in our series of Red Letters of John, we're focusing in particularly on what is recorded that Jesus said, and, and as a way to view his way of life and how that affects the whole world and ourselves and uh, what it means to follow Jesus. And so we look at what he did, what he said, the way he lived. And um, last Sunday, this is part two, uh, sermon's called Do You Want to Be Whole? Part one, last Sunday, we saw Jesus at the, the pool of Bethesda. And, in, you know, I said that in Hebrew, that's a, there's a symbolic meaning for a house of mercy. And that's in part where we got our name for this church. And because we believe the church is a place for absolutely anyone um, to come find healing. That's what it's for. And that's what people were doing at this pool. And there was this man that was, had been lame for over 30 years and this tragic story where he couldn't get into the pool, and there was something mystical that happened when the waters of this pool were stirred, and people, I believe, were actually healed, as the text says, and this man just couldn't get into the pool, though, because no one would help him. And so Jesus comes to him and asks him this piercing question that I think is also for us. Do you want to be healed? And you see, we have to first understand that we need healing before that will even make sense. And I said last Sunday, what it means to be a human being is we need healing. The whole, all of creation needs healing. And the good news is Jesus has come as the healer of the nations, as the doctor to give us the medicine we need. It's the medicine of mercy. It's the medicine of grace. And so we pick up right there, um, verse 10, Jesus has miraculously healed him. The man has no idea who, who this guy is. So look at verse 10. The Jewish leader said to the man who had been healed, it's the Sabbath. You aren't allowed to carry your mat. He answered, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. They inquired, who is this man who said to you, pick it up and walk? The man who had been cured didn't know who it was because Jesus had slipped away from the crowd gathered there. Later, Jesus found him in the temple and said, See, you have been made well. Do not sin anymore so that nothing worse happens to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that Jesus was the man who made him well. As a result, the Jewish leaders were persecuting Jesus since he had done these things on the Sabbath. Jesus replied, now here are the red letters, my father is working until now and I am working. For this reason, the Jewish leaders wanted even more to kill him, not only because he was breaking the Sabbath, but also because he called God his own father thereby making himself equal to God. The word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I pray that, again, that we would experience 
your healing power. All of us, no matter who we are, no matter where we come from, no matter why we're here even, I pray that we would leave this place experiencing something different. I pray that that power would actually not only heal us, but transform us and make us into a new creation. This is the work of Christ. Help us to participate in it now. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so John, you're learning as we're going through this probably that uh, as, as, as Becky said after, after uh, we were at Western this morning, sometimes it makes my head hurt. It feels very philosophical. Um, and I was thinking on that, and I, she's hearing right. I mean, this, we are seeing, John, as you've heard me say, is, is that. It's, it's mystical. It's, um, there are weird sayings of Jesus that can cause us to, like, strain our, our brain muscle as we try to think about what this stuff means. And here's my encouragement to us. Don't, don't strain yourself, actually. Um, just let it come. The, the Bible is, is not meant, we're not meant to like um, work really hard in this cerebral kind of intellectual way to try to get it. We're just meant to receive it and trust that the Holy Spirit will enable it to settle where it needs to settle. So don't try it too hard. Just receive it um, and trust the Holy Spirit will make sense of this to us. It's interesting how the, how the Holy Spirit works. Remember, the spirit, pneuma in the Greek means wind, breath. Uh, and Jesus says, that just like the wind, the spirit c- comes and goes. We don't know where it's come from or where it's going. And just when you least expect it, you'll be driving to the supermarket or something. And something that was said the previous Sunday, well, all of a sudden, you're not, you're not trying. It'll just all of a sudden drop. It'll settle right here in your heart. It'll make sense. I'm encouraging us to really ponder these things, meditate on these things, but don't strain yourself too hard. Um, here's another weird saying of Jesus. Um, this is in Matthew, which is not, not as mystical uh, a gospel per se as, as John is, although the whole religion of Christianity is meant to be. It is a Middle Eastern mystical religion. <laughs> the whole Bible is meant to be thought of that way, but some places in the story of Scripture more than others. Matthew, um, though, as it talks about Jesus and focuses specifically on uh, the, the person of Jesus as the, the king of heaven, and as it focuses on the kingdom of heaven, we come in chapter 7 of Matthew to this odd saying where Jesus refers to him uh, to this narrow gate versus a wide gate. Now, coupled with that, um, in Matthew 5, verses 12 through 14, is the golden rule, what's famously known as the golden rule. And y'all probably all, whether you're a Christian or not, you probably know what that is, right? Um, we're supposed to do unto others as we would have them do unto us. That's straight from the scripture. Uh, other religions talk about similar themes, and, and it's not, it's not a coincidence, because truth is truth. Um, and Christianity does not have a monopoly on that truth. Um, so um, in the golden rule, though, the, there's... We're meant to take these two verses as we find them in the Bible that come right after. So listen to this. This is how it goes. First, the golden rule. In everything due to others, this is Jesus talking, in everything due to others as you would have them do to you, for this is the law and the prophets. Now, stop for a minute. Right there, we know that these religious people are off. 
the way they treat Christ, the way they are completely, uh, they could care less that this man has been miraculously healed. They're focusing on their interpretation of the law and the prophets. And Jesus comes to set the record straight. It's the law of love. Loving our neighbor as we love ourselves is the law and the prophets. So in everything, do to others as you would have them do to you, for this is the law and the prophets. There's a golden rule. And then Jesus says this. This is meant to go with it. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road is easy that leads to destruction, and there are many who take it. For the gate is narrow and the road is hard that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Now, I I will say probably every Sunday as a way to try to correct um, a distorted understanding of the New Testament that Jesus' focus when he talks about language, when he uses language like this and talks about life, and even like images that sometimes are interpreted as hell or heaven, he is focused on this present life, not what happens when you die. So this The way to live, there are two paths laid out here after the golden rule. There's a narrow path that goes through a narrow gate, and then there's a wide path that goes through a wide gate. Uh, Only one of those is the healing path. Only one of those is, um, is the path that leads to life. Again, in this life. But you notice it's it's also the hard one, and it's why most people don't take it, right? Um, well, here's the good news of the gospel and with this passage. What if the gate, that is the narrow gate that is life, comes to you? This is what we see with Jesus. Just like this man who doesn't even know who Jesus is, the gate, as it were, Jesus will refer to himself in John 10 as the door that we go through to find life, as the gate, if you will. The gate comes to him. The gate envelops him, as it were, heals him. And now Jesus has a conversation with this man about how to live on the other side of this narrow gate. And, you, and at that point, we do have a, an option. We can participate. We can continue. We have one of two paths that we can choose every single day. The, we can go through the narrow gate. Let's call that the healing path. Or, yeah, the, we can go through the wider gate every day. It's the one that that leads to destruction. It's easier, but it leads to, uh, it becomes a harmful path in the end. Those are the two paths that we, we now can choose. But it's on the other side of the gate. The gate and the gospel comes to us, envelops us, indwells us, and now we get to choose. Are we going to live into this life or are we going to live into death? Are we going to choose the, the healthy path? Or the harmful path, the narrow path that leads to life, or the wide path that leads to destruction. As Jesus comes to find him in the temple. And here's the main teaching that I want to try to draw out Jesus becomes the gateway for a new creation. That's, who, that's how we're meant to understand Christ the gateway to a new creation. Christ has come. New creation has come with him. So two headings. We're going to look at this. is a difficult, some difficult parts in this conversation, right? Um, sin no more, Jesus tells us, man. We're going to look at that what, that, what that means. And then we'll look at new creation. First, verse 14. 
right there. We're not going to avoid this. We're not going to try to dodge this. Jesus tells this man, remember, this is key. He's on the other side of the gate. He's been saved, as it were. He's been healed. Now, Jesus says, sin no more. Okay, what does that mean? Is, um, when Jennifer and I were at the University of Tennessee, there was this guy, some, I've told this story to some of y'all, named Brother Jed, who would, who would show up uh, every year. He would show up, and he was some kind of, I guess, postured himself as some sort of prophet or preacher, and he would show up with uh, his large family in tow, all wearing blue jean denim, the women dresses down to their ankles, and he was decked out in this, like, suit, really nice suit, and um, he, would, he would find a spot, you know, right near the humanities building where, that's right, where Jennifer and I, as liberal arts majors, that's where we hung out, and he would set up and he would just start yelling at all, as he called us, the fornicators. And he, would, he was obsessed with sex. And, and, um, and what was weird, because he, he just called us, you fornicators, repent. Uh, yeah, he would go on. I'll, I'll spare you the other things he would say. And we would just sort of a lot of us, scores of students would just kind of mock him because he was laughable, particularly when he said this. He would boast that he hadn't sinned in decades. And he would say, I have not sinned. I think he would like give a date since like 1991 or 81 or whatever it was. Is that what Jesus is getting at here? Is Jesus setting up this possibility that in this life that we can become sinless, like Brother Jed apparently was, although very obsessed with lots of things that we, he thought we were doing that was kind of weird, a lot of projection going on there, um, maybe evidence that he hadn't quite, he wasn't as sinless as he thought. But um, is that where Jesus is going? Is that what he's telling this man? Is that what he's telling us? Now, now sin no more. Stop doing the bad things. Or as he says, something worse will happen to you. Okay, another hard thing about this is it seems that you, you can at least take it this way, that Jesus is connecting this man's disability with, with a sin that he, and, and that he committed in his life. You, sometimes people think that way about this text. But we'll see in John 9, as he also heals another man, that clearly there's no connection here between disability and someone's individual sin as he will make that clear in John 9. So that's, let's clear that up. That's not what Jesus is doing here. Disability is not connected to individual sin any more than ability is connected to holiness. Like, like I'm not holy, and Carter is not holy because Carter can walk. You see? Uh, and so Ben isn't unholy because he can't. He, it's not Ben's fault. He was born. Jesus is not, that is not what's going on. That's not the, the logic that he's presenting here. What is he doing? What is he talking about? Well, true life is not determined, that is, the eternal life that Jesus talks about is not determined by our circumstances one way or the other. And so when he tells this man first to sin no more, this is what, he's, this is what he means, I believe. Sin, which just means missing the mark, he's saying, which the, the mark of your true self. He's saying, now that you have been healed, that you have been saved, love yourself well. Try to, to no longer miss the mark. But here's the good news. When we do, when we miss the mark of being who we really are in our divine sense, 
Well, the doctor just has grace and mercy. You see, the, the sin, you, in a way, you don't want to be sinless in this life because, and this is mysterious, but the sin that leads to struggle is actually the recipe that leads then to life. Without the struggle, the hard stuff, there is certainly, this is a fallen world. We all bear corporate responsibility. We play a part in that. And yet it's baked in, the recipe requires that in order to produce the life that we so need. So in a way, this is, this is what's so good about the good news. You can't lose. Even when you sin, Jesus will use that. Like when you miss the mark, sin is not about law breaking, okay? Uh, any more than holiness is about law keeping. Sin and holiness, those are relational uh, ideas. Um, to sin is to lose ourself. It's also to create a separation or disconnection with God, right? That's what it means. And yet when that happens, as it will every day, because it happens in our hearts before we do anything, well, the doctor's there to give us a prescription of mercy and grace that never runs out, that is always unconditional and free. And it's actually through that struggle that we experience this life. So that's, Jesus is simply telling this man, you've been saved, yes, now, now choose the healing path. Today, choose the healing path. Love yourself well that way. Or something worse will happen. Now, what does he mean with that? He's not talking about the afterlife. He's referencing, um, really, again, these concepts of hell or heaven, states of consciousness, I believe, that are literal, that are real and, and present, they, um, we experience them in spite of our circumstances. Our, circumstance, our external circumstances really, like whether or not we can walk or not, doesn't necessarily have any effect on whether or not we're experiencing heaven or hell right now. Um, I, I'm sure you've met folks, I, I, know, I know folks who seem to have it all, right? Like, like good looks, ability, all the ability in the world. Uh, I mean, think of, you know, the, the premier athlete or someone like that. Um, let's go with Tom Brady. Let's go with him. Uh, and yet there's Tom Brady in an interview um, on CBS some years ago confessing he was miserable. It was the, the first time I actually kind of like became endeared to Tom Brady. He was confessing he needed healing, and he had it all externally. Um, you've also, you know, Jesus says, blessed are the poor. You also know people, I know people, I've run into people who seemingly have nothing, and yet they are a lot happier than I am, right? These are internal realities that have nothing to do really with the external circumstances. Um, so when Jesus is saying to this man, Sin no more, or something worse will happen. He's saying, just because now you can walk, all your problems are not solved. We can still find ourselves. This is what I think hell is, is in this life. Something worse. I'm just going with that language that we might be tended, or the, the image that we might go to with this passage. Let's call it hell in this life. This is what it is. It is an ego-driven self-absorption. That is hell ego-driven self-absorption that leads to painful self-pity. That, when you run into someone who's in that, in the midst of that, they are in hell. 
even though they may have all the stuff in the world. He's saying, love yourself well. It's a hard path. That is the healing path. But it's, it, it lose, when you lose your, your life for my sake, you will find it. When you put the ego in the back seat, even though it will be painful and humiliation will be involved, struggle, failure is a part of the mix, just trust, <laughs> bear, have some steadfastness, because in the end, that will produce the life. Jesus will say um, later in, in, this, in this same conversation with the religious people, um, he, uh, in, in verses 24 through 26, he's kind of defending himself. So as we see here, they, they immediately go, they, they go on the attack. They begin persecuting him. And they say overtly now they want to kill him. And so later on, and there's lots of red letters that we're going to encounter in chapter 5. Here's some of them. Listen to the, to the present tense of Jesus' language. This is how he defends himself to these religious leaders. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has, present tense, life eternal or eternal life. And does not come into judgment, but has, present tense, passed out of death into life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear shall live. For just as the Father has life in himself, even so he gave to the Son also to have life in himself. Do you hear that? It's all, Jesus is focused on this life, not the afterlife. Lastly, this is the good news about Christ, is Christ has brought new creation with him. Look at verse 17. I want to, because this is one of those, like, statements of Jesus that sounds cryptic, that will make, if, Again, but I'm saying, don't strain, don't, don't try too hard, but, but we can easily strain ourselves trying to figure out what this means. Verse 17. Um, he says, my father is working until now, and I am working too. What is he talking about? Like, what work is he referring to? Um, well, first of all, he's, he did break the Sabbath by working, even though it was a healing work. And he's saying, um, well, God's working. God's been working. And yeah, you better believe that includes on the Sabbath, on Saturday, the last day of the week, and guess what? Now I am working. Here's the work that Jesus has in mind. It's the work of creation. So this is something to kind of ponder on this week. Um, With Christ, and Richard War is very helpful with this uh, for me and others too, but with Christ we have actually the second incarnation of God. What was the first incarnation? Well, creation itself. Creation itself is God expressing God's self in love and becoming creation itself. Now, I'm, I'm not a pantheist. I'm not saying that, that God like is this um, podium or that I am God. But the Bible clearly says that God's DNA is in me and in you and in all things, actually. Right? That's the first incarnation of God. I think Jesus is nodding to that when he says, my father has been working and is working until now. 
And here we have the second incarnation where the Logos takes on flesh. That is how John refers to Christ in John chapter 1, the Logos, which Greek philosophers, now this is straight from Greek philosophy that John's engaging with. It just means kind of like the grain of the universe that holds it all together, the Logos, the divine wisdom, if you will. In Christ, that which was in the beginning with God and creates all things with God and, for, and, and is in and through creation has now taken on flesh in Jesus the Christ. Second incarnation of God. Well, wh- why does that matter? Well, here's again the good news of the gospel is the story is still being written and Jesus shows up as, this, as the second incarnation of God to conquer death, to heal the world, in fact, to save the world. There's the gospel. It's just been announced to you. It's up to you whether or not you want to believe it and live into that truth. Hopefully it sounds like good news. That's the gospel Jesus has for us today. Um, this is what he means. So we're, you know, each, each passage we're asking, we're imagining that if Jesus were to walk in the room and we were, we were to ask him, okay, Jesus, what's the good news as it relates to this passage? Here it is. My father is working until now, and now I am working. And I am making all things new, including you, including me, all, including all things, all of creation. New creation has come. It's good news. Jesus is the gateway to this new creation. If you want to participate in this new work, you can more about that in the, in the coming uh, Sundays uh, as we see a group of people, let's see if this sounds familiar, who think the Bible requires them to hate and to actually kill another human being. <laughs> There's, that's, at that point, if you, if, if the, whatever your perceived end is requires killing someone else, you are not on the healing path. And you are not following this Christ, who is the gateway to a new creation. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for um, this good news. And I, I pray through your power, Holy Spirit, that we would simply believe it. Even It just takes the faith of a mustard seed. And I, I confess that um, it's, it's hard to believe. It sure doesn't seem like this is reality. So would you give us the eyes of faith to see, to know what is really real? Give us hope that you are working, Jesus, and you will continue to work as the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, until all is healed in our lives and in the world. Give us that hope, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So now we come to the table, and this is a meal which it, it really displays this good news of one who has come and has entered into death in order to conquer it and heal the world. So um, please stand if you're able, and we'll confess our faith together as we normally do using the Apostles' Creed. Uh, and this is a way that, that we, we believe God actually uses this, this very ritual here to mystically increase our faith and give us the eyes to see what is really real and experience especially what is really real. So let's first confess our faith 
together, if you're inclined. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He had descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And so um, we confess our sin, and one of our, along with this confession is that we still do it. <laughs> and it's okay, because Jesus is about to give us the medicine of mercy that we need. So let's first confess our sin, though, using this confession. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not loved ourselves. We are truly sorry, and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Now, friends, just receive this assurance of pardon. I hope you feel it. God is gracious to all who confess their sins and ask for mercy. In the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. This is the table, not of the church, but of the Lord. It is made ready for those who love him and for those who want to love him more. So come.